When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something strange, a cryptid like Bigfoot, a ghost, a UFO, anything paranormal, and you'd like to share your story on the show, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. June is going to be a month of Bigfoot on the show. I don't know if every show is going to be that way, but we have a lot of Bigfoot and Bigfoot-like content. For June. Do cryptids have a particular month? Like a cryptid awareness month? <laughs> uh, that's every month. That's strange familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is every month. That's strange familiars. While we're on the subject, Where the Footprints End, my new book with Joshua Cutchin, is back in stock at our Etsy shop. It was in stock. It sold out. Then it was in stock again. Then it sold out again. Now it's back in stock. The link to our Etsy shop is in the show notes. So tonight's another on-site show. We talked with Ken. We met him out in Michaud, where he told us his stories, where they happened. And then we take a nice little night hike. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. We could not make Strange Familiars without your help. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to make Strange Familiars, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We do at least one full episode every month for our patrons. Often we do more. And there are other levels of support there as well. You can check it all out. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon and you still want to help, check out the show notes at strangefamiliars.com under every episode. Look for a paypal.me link. You can click on that and make a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, and leaving us those nice five-star reviews, which helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. So Chad and I met Ken at my show. I'm going to bring Chad in. We're going to talk about stuff, and we're going to play the clips from that night. Well, Chad, this has been a long time in the making, this episode. <laughs> yes, it has been. <laughs> this has been a long time in the making. Almost a year. 
now Chad's been waiting very patiently for me to go through this audio and we were going to use it as part of this South mountain saga series we were working on. Cause this does fall within the South mountain range. Uh, most of the show does really, but we came up with so much stuff in this area, this being just the first part that we decided to pull it out and just start getting these shows out there. So this is going to be the first of, I don't know how many shows. So this is interesting too. Chad and I were on a hike on Monday. We went down by Muddy Creek, took a little hike. I said to him at that time, I said, I think I'm just going to call this stuff uh, through the haunted forest. I'm tired of waiting for us. When we do the South Mountain, when we want to do a lot of history of the area and so forth, and it's just this recording is getting older and I don't know how long it's going to take us to get the history shows done for the South Mountain Range. Yeah. And, and, and then COVID hit and, you know, that threw a monkey wrench in the works and everything. So I, I said, I think I'm just going to call it Through the Haunted Forest. And then I'm editing it that night. I get home that night and start editing after our hike. And very early on, I say to Ken, we've been calling Michaud the Haunted Forest. We meaning... You and me, Chad, right? Right, right. And right. I said, but and, and as I'm editing it, I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Like, but we haven't. <laughs> it was never like a, a common term we used. In, no, no, it wasn't. In, so when I heard myself say it after telling you on the trail, I was like, yeah, I think we're going to call it Through the Haunted Forest. And then I hear myself say it on this recording. I was like, What? But I mean, I'm not saying that's anything paranormal because it's, it's actually a line from one of my songs through the haunted forest. So it's, you know, I'm sure it was something in the back of my mind, but it was just this weird thing that hit me. I was like, whoa, that's weird. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's not like we walk around saying, you know, Hey Chad, you want to go to the haunted forest today? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't, we, we, we call it by its normal name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most of the time. That was a weird thing. Yeah, it was. The cool thing about this episode is Unlike Site 7, we can actually tell people where this was. Because this, yes. this place people can go to if they want. If they desire to go there, I think we would say, you know, be careful and be respectful. But if you want to go there, yeah, it's a public, <laughs> public area. You can go. We start the interview with Ken. Ken was a witness who contacted me and said he had some experiences in the show. He heard either me or us or both of us talk about Michelle on the show. And he said, you know, I've got some stories from Michelle. And, and I, of course I love to meet people where they had their experiences. So yep. we said, we'll meet you out there. So we met Ken out there. It was August of 2019. It was not too long after we were in pandemonium. So we met yep. Ken and the first place he takes us is in Michelle and it's an area near the reservoir there, right? Correct. Before we play the recordings from a show, I do want to mention, as I always do with these on-site shows, that uh, it's hard to get the levels perfect because, you know, in this case, it's three people standing around and there's one recorder and we're outside. It's not in a controlled recording studio. So let's go ahead and hear Ken's first stories from the location near the reservoir there. All right, so we are in Michaud Forest again, the haunted forest. And we're with Ken, who has had a few experiences here, and he's going to tell us what happened. 
With Ken and Chad, I should yes. say. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, it was with an ex-girlfriend of mine. Uh, it was July of 2004. And we came up in here and we decided we wanted a little bit of privacy. So we camped up on the ridge about 50, 60 yards over that way. What would that be? To the west of yeah. the spot? Yeah. These springs? And we didn't get a fire set up. You know, we brought dry food with us, granola bars, that sort of stuff. And uh, I guess it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. You know, we were both still awake, just laying there hanging out. And uh, from the side of the ridge up here on the other side, we started hearing footsteps coming down through here. And they all congregated around the springs that are just up in behind the Ronodendron here. And I began to hear grunting noises. And I could distinctly tell that there were four different voices. Now, when you say they all conquered, could you tell there was more than one set of footsteps? Yeah, it was too? multiple footsteps. It was, at first, to be honest, I thought it was a group of hikers that were coming in late, setting mm-hmm. up their campsite here, just, you know, kind of coming in so for the really night. coming down the mountain? Yeah. Near Rocky yeah. Knob Trail? Almost like they were following the Rocky Knob Trail from okay. the opposite direction that we came in, coming down to the springs. Yes. Yeah, okay, I know, yeah. Exa- I, ca- I know exactly where you're at. Yeah, so first thought was, it was hikers, you know. They were night hiking, just stopping Good idea. <laughs> That's what I thought. Until I started hearing the vocalizations that they were making. It was, the deep one was, you know, wow. those kind of noises. And then there was a higher pitch one, I can't recreate that one, because uh-huh. it was almost like half metallic sounding. Weird. Um, yeah. And then I heard two high-pitched ones two separate high-pitched ones and they were each taking turns like one would talk one and then another one would speak another one would speak it was like they were sitting there having a conversation and what it reminded me of the time was uh the descriptions i had heard of like uh the algonquian language that the chesty guttural words that they used right and you know, at first, to be honest with you, I thought it was Native American spirits at that point because I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, it's definitely a language, but it's not a language that I understand. I've never heard that language. So it seemed conversational. Yeah. You know, they're going back like, and forth. Yep, they yeah. were dis- like they were discussing something amongst could themselves. It, could it have been like a gutterwise in German? No, not the same. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm curious. not gonna sit here saying that I'm fluent in German. No, but I'm but just I, guessing. Yeah. I mean, you've heard people speak German. Yeah, and I mean, had that kind of guttural. Yeah, or, I took German in high school. Okay, so, so it wasn't quite like that. No, okay. it was. I'll say it this way: the first time, and this is years after I heard it, and that's when it clicked. The first time I ever heard the Sierra sounds, like the samurai chatter, that's exactly what it sounded okay. like. Those kind of vocalizations, because it also sounded ape-like at the same time. Right. Um, it was going back and forth. It wasn't human. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> wasn't human. No. That was the one thing that I, I could tell. It wasn't a living human being. And I'd say it probably lasted, you know, at the most 10 minutes, somewhere in that area. And then I heard the footsteps leaving the spring going back up and my ex-girlfriend and I we were sitting up in the tent listening to this and I just looked at her and said did you just hear that she goes yeah what was it I said to be honest with you I don't know but let's just let's just be quiet sit in place yeah not make any noise I know that feeling yeah (laughs) I mean 
I've seen mountain lions up here before, and it it definitely wasn't a mountain lion sound. Um, I mean, I've heard mountain lions screaming up in here. I saw one. It was probably, you know, at the closest when it was trailing us about 50 yards away. So not that far behind us. And with that, at one point, it came running up through the woods, and I noticed that there was a cliff up ahead of us that it got up to. So, you know, that day I was like, with my friend, I was like, get over, get away from that cliff. I mean, that was scary. But as I was sitting and listening to that, you know, conversation that night, is a totally different feeling. You know, I grew up in a haunted house. I know what my body does when I'm around spirits. It was not the same. It was almost like I went from being, you know, upper echelon predator to just below it. Mm-hmm. Like there was something else that just I never encountered before. Um, I started going out into the woods with my dad when I was about four years old. And any animal that you could think of, I had encountered them. I had heard them. I had seen them. What I heard that night was not anything that I had ever heard before. And, I mean, I had had other experiences prior to that that as I look back now and I'm like, well, Bigfoot foots the bill or fits the bill. Right. You know, Bigfoot makes sense in that situation. But you don't really just, you know, go out thinking, oh, I'm going to see a Bigfoot tonight. Sure. I'm going to encounter a Bigfoot tonight. And, you know, prior to that, a lot of my experiences with, you know, that kind of activity, it was in Gettysburg, surprisingly. But uh, if you look back, there were reports back in the 1950s of people seeing Bigfoot you know, oh, yeah. creatures over in Gettysburg. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know that at that time. Mm-hmm. The one experience, uh, I was running past Big Round Top out there, and you know, I was getting ready to go into the Army, and just jogging along, and it sounded like someone took a branch about four or five inches round and just snapped it in half. And I'm not easily frightened, but I, I booked <laughs> it. I took off running as fast as I could. And then... After that, the next experience over there, uh, I was walking up to Big Round Top where uh, the wood line used to be between Devil's Den mm-hmm. and Big Round Top there, that path that went up there. Yeah. Dark, dark yep. night. Well, as I'm walking up that path, I just saw something big and black step out in front of me. I mean, I'm six foot tall. I had to look up at it. Like, I had to wow. crane my neck up to look at it. Jeez. I put my hand the whole way up. That is about seven and a half, eight feet tall. And at that time all i know is i got that same kind of feeling like and i just i made a wide berth out around it because how far away were you from this for me to you about six seven feet away whoa that's too close for me (laughs) it was it was pretty close so it stepped out did you see it before it stepped out no no so it was black it was blacker than black Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a dark, dark night, and I, I mean, as you guys can see now, I didn't bring a flashlight. I i was always in the habit then of walking the battlefield with no flashlight, and I was always good about getting off the battlefield by 10 o'clock. But, yeah, I always found that, you know, going out on the battlefield with a flashlight is not going to help you see ghosts. Mm-hmm. So I'd always go without my flashlight. And, yeah, but when it stepped out in front of me, I mean, it was probably about three and a half feet wide at the shoulders. Oof about eight feet tall somewhere in that area it's pretty massive and i mean just to think about it now gives me that same kind of feeling because it was one of those things where I, I literally just wanted to turn around and run as fast as i could but i knew 
that was a horrible idea. And I was like, well, you know, I think I've encountered this one before. I think it was the same one that cracked that limb on me prior. Right. Because basically that's the same area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're talking 200, 300 yards away from the other spot. Mm-hmm. And there's caves down in there. Are there? Yeah. Um, actually, after the battle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, after the battle, uh, they were taking Confederate soldiers and just dropping them down into those cave systems rather than burying them. And I think that explains a lot of the paranormal activity that happens in that area Uh, over there. Could do, yeah. But, you know, as it is, I have a feeling that uh, the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, you know, whatever you want to call it, that are over in that area, I think that's where they're staying, down in that cave system somewhere. So, you know, even at the time, it it gave me a sense that, like, hey, you're on my territory. Mm -hmm. You know, you better show some respect. So my showing of respect for him was going about 10 feet, 15 feet out around him and then just going up through. And as I was walking past that spot and kept going up to Big Round Top, I looked over my shoulder and he pretty much stayed in the same area until I went around the corner and couldn't see him anymore. But then for the rest of the night that I was walking in that area, it was just like someone constantly trailing me, following me, and watching me the whole time. You could hear it, or you, could, you sort of had that feeling. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. But again, with Gettysburg, you know, it's really easy to write stuff off as paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another experience that now looking back, and after listening to some of the, some of the stuff that I have listened to after, you know, delving into a little bit deeper, um, a friend of mine and myself, we were at Iverson's Pits. And uh, it was right before I went into the Army. He called me up. He was like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to see you again. Because uh, my leave date was September 18th of 2001. So, you know, right after September 11th happened, he's like, man, I might never see you again. Can we go over and spend some time together? I was like, yeah, of course. So we went out to Iverson's Pits. We walked out to the one monument that, you know, shows where... Uh, the Union soldiers charged out to and took prisoners and stuff like that. We were just standing at that monument out in the middle of the field when about, I'd say about 200 yards out in the field, just heard a high piercing scream. And our first thought, like we looked at each other, first thought was it was a woman being raped, to be honest with you. It was like a shriek. So we stopped and we looked at each other. I was like, did you hear that? He goes, yeah, I did. What do you think that was? I said, I don't know. Let's see if it happens again. We probably sat there for about two or three minutes listening. Didn't hear anything, you know. And, I mean, you could see a little bit out into the field. It was light enough at that time of night mm-hmm. um, with the moon and everything. And so we didn't hear it again. I'm like, all right, well, let's head on to the next spot. And as soon as we turned, took that first step away from it, heard it again twice as close, about 100 yards at this point. And same tone, everything. We stopped, looked at each other, and I was like, I don't think that's a woman in trouble. Let's get out of here. Took that next step, and it just, full board. You could hear it. It didn't just scream once. It was like a constant. It sounded like a freight train coming at you. And, I mean, at that point, I'd been exercising, you know, running every night for, I'd say, three months, getting ready to go into the Army. So I was pretty fast at that point. I mean, I'm not so fast anymore, but that comes with age. But yeah, I was running as fast as I could. He was running as fast as he could. And this thing was just catching up on us like you wouldn't believe. And right when we hit where that wood line used to be, they have since cut it out. But it was where uh, the Union soldiers were behind the stone wall. Okay. As soon as we hit that point, it stopped. Like It was like it caught up to us and then just stayed right there as we ran to the car. Wow. And as we jumped into the car, you could still hear it screaming in the wood line. 
And again, one of those instances where you're in Gettysburg, you expect it to be a ghost. Sure. So yeah. I thought, well, that was the rebel yell. Right. You know? Right. Until I started listening to like um, some of the recordings of screams coming out of Van- you know British Columbia and all that. And I'm listening to those and I'm like, that is almost identical. Yeah, I think that happens a lot in Gettysburg. I was yeah. at a paranormal conference and these people were talking about being out on what they call Suicide Bridge, which... You, you know where that is? That's that uh, Saks Bridge. Yeah. yeah. No, no, not Saks. Uh, not Saks. It's the one that's across from the Eisenhower place. It's it's not a covered bridge. It's just a. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I know. They which call one you're it Suicide about. Bridge. Yeah. They supposedly the story is somebody hung themselves off that bridge. I, yeah. I, I said it's more likely to be break your ankle bridge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody jumping off that's gonna. Yeah. Gonna I mean, to be much. honest, I like I said, I was a tour guy there for 15 years. I had never heard a story about someone committing suicide on that. Yeah. Bridge no, there. I don't think I don't yeah. think that checks out. But uh, in any case, they they were telling me they're out there, and then something's just banging on this bridge. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, this ghost was banging on the bridge. I'm like, why would a ghost bang on a bridge? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like why would that? Yeah. When you had your encounter here, mm-hmm. did you hear anything moving in the water? You said they had come to like the spring. Like they were splashing. Yes. Drinking. Drinking they, they or just splashing around? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. I, just, I just took it as they were drinking water. Okay. Like... Dipping down in now, water with their hands. The rest of that night, anything, or that was it? Not that I can recall. That was the thing. I don't, you know. I mean, if you take a look around, I like to think that if we were over there, they'd have known it. And I'm, I'm always of the opinion that this is their home. You come into it one way or the other, they know you're here. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so I don't know if it was a situation where maybe they just you know didn't realize we were up there i mean it, it's pretty thick up in there mm-hmm. it was then Absolutely. it is now and it's not like she and i were up there making noise or anything you right. know we were just sitting in the tent quietly talking earlier in the evening and you know at that point we were just you know weren't really talking all that much just whispers back and forth here and there you right know, sweet nothings <laughs> <laughs> you know that sort of stuff but the impression I got just with how long they lingered and the fact that nothing happened after the after that, like, you know, there was no... Just passing in and out. Yeah, just passing in and out, and off they went, and they went about their night. About how long would you say they were in the area? About 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Yeah. That's a long time, though. That's yeah, a long, a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. Okay. And if you had to guess about how far from your tent were they? 60 yards at the most. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, that's far a, at all. And... Once we started hearing it, I mean, we were dead silent. Mm-hmm. There was no way I was attracting attention. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you on that. Um, did you Did you go and check it out in the morning? No. Oh. No. Is that an owl? That's a great horned owl. Okay. All right. You never know up in here. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've camped many times up here. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so we actually, to get to that spot, we... Uh, the path that we came in originally to get here, mm-hmm. uh, there was like a little cutoff. We kind of just forged our own trail mm-hmm. and followed the ridge line down in, uh, and then we went back out that way. But it had been dry before that, so I didn't at the time I didn't even think to come down here looking for prints or anything because yeah. it was almost like they had gone down in amongst the Rona well, well, and like you said, you didn't you hadn't heard the Sierra sounds. Yeah, I mean, we're, at this so at this point you weren't even. I'm, like, correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't even quite sure 
it, yeah exactly I mean, what it was you knew it wasn't i keep an people. open mind yeah mm-hmm. i knew it wasn't people um i thought possibly native american spirits but the higher pitched ones didn't really match up with that and the fact that some of them were kind of apish sounding mm-hmm. there was that thought in the back of my mind like might be a Bigfoot family. Wow. And that was the apprehension that I had about making any noise and investigating anything at that point. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, just be quiet. Just sit here. Don't say a word. I don't don't think you would have found tracks, even if you would have looked. That's the thing I've noticed about Michaud. The ground to hear in Michaud, just for anybody who who hasn't really been here, does not lend itself to tracks. I mean, because you got a lot of hummus, which is really soft. Mm-hmm. And the rocks and, you know, all the the detritus from the leaves and all that. I mean, you, unless you're in a creek or something, you don't really get tracks. No. Unless you get a really, really, where a spring or something like that, a seat has. Yeah. I, mean, so I don't think you would have really saw anything, honestly. Yeah. I've been I've been hunting Misho now for, well, I'm 38 now. I've been hunting Misho for almost 20 years at this point. And, you know, just one of my oddities, I always check to see if I'm leaving footprints. Mm-hmm. And like you said... It's hard to leave footprints mm-hmm. here in Michaud. Especially mm-hmm. off trail. Yeah. Especially off trail. Yeah. Uh, I know that. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, the Iverson's Pits thing. Yes, back to that. So, Sorry. I didn't oh, no problem. No problem. Uh, so, we ran to the car. We could still hear it screaming at the wood line. We drove down to the bottom of the hill there um, where uh, Mummersburg Road goes through. And, you know, I looked at my buddy and... I mean, I had known this guy since we were 11 years old. And at the time, he was a bare-knuckle boxer. Tough as nails. He's balling. And he was still of the opinion that it was someone in trouble. And he's like, we got to go back up. we got to go back up. And I'm like, no, let's just get out of here. He goes, come on, man. we got to go back up and check. I was like, all right, fine. So we pulled back up uh, beside the little, little tower there. And I was like, before we even get out of this car, I'm shining my headlights out into that field. Right. And I pulled up at an angle and hit the high beams, and there was nothing out there. He's like, now park the car. Let's get out. And I'm like, mm-mm. He's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, all right. I mean, all right, fine. So I parked the car. And as I get out of the car and I start walking back towards that wood line, it was just like abject terror hit me. Like that feeling in my gut, like, you better stay away. Right. And so I rationalized it like I need some kind of weapon. And I popped my trunk open and I was like, here, take this ice scraper. <laughs> and I grabbed a chain and you know, I wrapped it around my hand. And at the time, thinking possibly it was a ghost, I was like, I said to myself, what am I going to do? Rattle this at it? <laughs> and I was like, um, well, let's go out anyway. I'm keeping a hold of this. So we went back out to that monument, and you know how they talk about just the woods going quiet? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even hear so much as a cricket. It was dead silent. What time of year? Uh, September. Okay. September. So, I mean, there definitely should have been crickets. There should have been birds. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Not a single noise. And we stood there for maybe about 30 seconds or so, and I was like, are you happy? There ain't nothing out here. Let's go. And, you know, just recently... Uh, I sent him, you know, some Bigfoot audio, like reported Bigfoot audio. And, mm-hmm. he, and I said, I think that this is what we might have encountered at Iverson's Pits. And he's like, do you really think so? And I said, man, it sounds really similar. And I was like, I've, I've heard the rebel yell on my tours. 
this is not that wasn't the same as what I've heard before. Like I was doing a tour one night, we heard a rebel yell down where the football field is, and the thing about it was, I know it wasn't like a regular person doing it because half the people out of twenty six people on that tour didn't even hear it. Hmm. Only half of us heard it. And then another night, heard it again, same tone, everything. It was so loud it echoed off the wood line behind me. Out of that group, one person didn't hear it. Wow. Yeah. Now, the, but now that sounded like a human, though. That like, sounded like men screaming. Like, oh, And wow. that was where the Louisiana Tigers and the North Carolina Tar Heels were taking cannon fire. Okay. And, you know, they, at the time of the battle, they let out with the rebel yell, came swarming up over the hill. So that was... I mean, as, as explainable as paranormal can be. Right, right. Um, but doing those tours, uh, I had a couple encounters as well. Like, you talk about wood knocks and stuff. I was there with a couple, an older couple, and we were doing a recording session right at the edge of the wood line. And I remember on, you know, on audio, I was like, if you're here, can you give us some kind of sign that you're here? And, again, meeting you away, five feet away. It was like someone just took a bat and just crack right against the tree in front of me. Hmm. And I'm not easily startled or frightened. You know, my kids are like, you got nerves of steel. <laughs> I I jumped about two feet up in the air, back away from it like that. <laughs> if uh, we hear something like that, you, I will be in your arms. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in his, not mine. But, like, as I far think as, he can handle it. <laughs> as far as, like, possible Bigfoot activity, in that spot specifically, by the uh, by the school over there in Gettysburg, I remember one night, I had finished my tour, and at that time, you know, I wasn't with anyone. I was, you know, single, so I was in the habit of just going out and just sitting in that field until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning just watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my pastime at the time. And there was a couple from Kentucky. They had gone back out on their own because I always told people, you know, feel free to go back out. You know, just be quiet so the cops don't show up. Right. You know, I was like, you're allowed to be out here, but the people that live up on the hill will call the cops if you're loud. So just be quiet. So they see me come walking out, and they come up, and they're like, hey, can we hang out with you out here for a little while? I was like, yeah, of course. So we go walking down through the field towards the wood line, and they said, uh, you yeah, know, let's go into the woods here. So there's a cross-country track inside that wood line, and we found a path that went into, like, a little knoll inside, and there's multiple paths that run off of this. And down the one side uh, that goes towards, like... Uh, the back of the football field there like parallels the football field we saw a black figure and it was like hunkered down like it was crouched down and you know no hat no distinguishable features it was just a black form kind of hunkered down but the thing that was weird about it was it was just rocking back and forth as it sat there Mm -hmm. so we sat there watching it for probably about three or four minutes I'd say and it was about from me to that tree right there away. So what is that? 20 feet? 25 feet Something at the like most? That, yeah. yeah, it was 20, 25 feet away down in the woods away from us. Just rocking back and forth. Wow. And after about three or four minutes, they're like, let's get closer, see what it is. <laughs> and as soon as... Because they were in front of me. As soon as they took that first step, it stood up and goes... Wow. And came up towards us, and I mean, these people pushed me out of the way. Yeah, yeah. They literally knocked me out of the way and took off running out of the woods, and it was like a blur. All I saw was this black thing just starting to come up the path, and I was out. Wow. Because I was like, I'm not going to be in here alone with whatever this thing is. Yeah. But again, 
hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back at that sort of stuff, and the stuff matches. Yeah. It yeah. fits perfectly. Yeah. And uh, I had another lady one night when I did the ghost hunts. Uh, we used to have night vision cameras, like uh, the viewfinders and all that. And she said she actually saw a guy sitting in one of the bushes looking at her. But the thing is, he had a full beard. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and dark eyes and just sat there staring at her. And, like, there's a part of me that's like, I don't know if that was really human spirit you were looking at. I didn't tell her that. But well, yeah, I, I tell the story on the podcast before. I don't know if you heard it. I got a call from Lewisbury area. Guy, mm-hmm. guy saw Bigfoot on his property. I got there the next day. And he would show me where he saw Bigfoot and all that stuff and did all the normal stuff. You know, how high was it? Where did you see it? Blah, blah, blah. This is one of the times I found a skull, by the way, right where he said the creatures were standing. Mm-hmm. But uh, after we're done, I come back and, he, and he's like, you know, I'm kind of putting my stuff away in, in my Jeep and stuff. And he's like, well, I'll tell you, this place is haunted. I'm like, it's haunted, huh? And he's like, yeah, it's haunted on top of Bigfoot. We've had ghosts and stuff. He's like, I, I've got pictures of them. You want to see them? I say, yeah, I want to see them. So he comes out with these pictures. Almost all these pictures. Now he had a lot of like just anomalous orb stuff, but he had some figures, mm-hmm. and they looked like misty, like ghosts, you yeah. know, like kind of misty figures, your typical ghost photo. But I'm looking at him, and he's going, "See, I think we got a ghost of a biker around here. See this guy? Look, and he was wearing sunglasses. Mm-hmm. It looked like a Bigfoot. Yeah. Like all these ghost photos he's showing me look like." Bigfoot pictures. Yeah. Big he what he was calling sunglasses, I'm seeing his big eyes. Yeah. Big dark eyes. Yep. He's calling, you know, beard and long hair. I'm just seeing like I was like, dude, that looks like a Bigfoot to me. Yeah. Like, you know, so uh yeah. I mean who knows who knows what that is. Ghosts of Bigfoot, something else? I don't know. Why do you think so many of them kind of come out blurry when people try to take pictures? I don't know. I it's almost like like we're not allowed we're not allowed to have good video for some reason well, I don't yeah. know didn't you say I think I've heard before on the podcast like cameras like I didn't, no actually you told me when we were on pandemonium so I said about setting up trail cameras and you said you know the quickest way to get rid of that stuff is to put up a trail camera yeah I mean like it's the, like it drives it away or that, that, that lady who down in Maryland that's what it was okay. who wants mm-hmm. this I, she's she's scared she's, she's heard them her neighbors have seen them and she's like I don't want them here I said Put trail cams up all around your property. If you really don't want them there, that's the quickest way. You think it's the electromagnetics? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, that's a huge part of the mystery because, you know, some people say, well, if I put a camera up in your living room, you'd know it was there. But would I? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you really know <laughs> whether you were there <laughs> yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, maybe that. But uh, honestly, I think, I think it's something to do with the phenomenon. It's just... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, like it's like we're not allowed to have pictures of it. I don't, and that sounds crazy, but I don't know how else to put it because we do get pictures of mountain lions. Yeah. You know, what I mean, they're not supposed to be here. Yeah, you were saying you saw one. I've yeah. I saw one in Maryland. Yeah. I know they're here. If they're in Maryland, they're here. Yeah, I've uh, seen Paul Prince. So, yeah. but but we get pictures of them. Yeah. You know, the Pennsylvania yeah. Game Commission insists they're not here. Yeah, I had one. <laughs> I had one tell me it was a case of mistaken identity, and I was like, <laughs> uh, sir. I know my animals. <laughs> I know my animals. And he's like, well, it was probably just a bobcat. Yeah. And bobcat's said, tail is a lot shorter than a mountain yeah, lion. I was like, I told him, I said, bobcats don't have tails that are two feet long, sir. And he goes, well, if there is one, someone either released it or, you know, yada, well, yada, it's yada. here. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, well, I mean, what's it going to take for you to admit that there's a mountain lion? Oh, they'll here? never. They'll never. He said, we need scat. 
They'll never. And I admit. said, well, as soon as I can, I'm going to have a big bag of crap sitting on your desk. <laughs> and yeah, every time I go out hiking now, I'm looking for it. <laughs> I'm still looking for it. Years later, I'm like, I'm going to get that. Like I said, I've seen one in Maryland. Saw mm-hmm. it two days in a row, not far from my dad's farm. And uh, I know they're, so I know if they're in Maryland, I know they're here, 100%. I my, know what I saw. I know what I saw. It was a mountain lion. My uncle lives over near Cowan's Gap. He had one living under a storage container on his property for about a year and a half. He said he'd be up in the mornings waiting to see the deer, you know, because he was an early riser, early bed kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He said he'd be sitting there in his kitchen looking at his bay window. You know, just before the sun came up, he'd see it come out from underneath the storage container, which was an old trailer. Right. You know, like a tractor trailer. Trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd come out from underneath. It'd walk up through his yard, head up into the mountains. Wow. And uh, some wild territory. Yeah. So I'm sorry. At night, it would go up. In the Mm -hmm. mornings, it would come down. Come back down. So, uh, but then right after that, he said, well, I asked him, I said, why don't you call the game commission and let them know? He said, because they're going to think it's my pet. (laughs) He's like, I don't want them on my property. Well, I don't want anyone on my property. (laughs) Let me tell you this story real quick. I I used to work for a disaster restoration company, and one of our guys uh, that worked with us, he was one of our carpenters. He lived down in Greencastle. And around that time, uh, there was a guy that said he was attacked by two mountain lions. Two of them. Jeez. He saw two mountain lions. He shot one and got attacked. Oof. And the game commission said, no, you were attacked by a bobcat. What this guy said was, no, I shot and killed a mountain lion and it had a tag in its ear. Oh, wow. And someone apparently got information from that tag and traced it back to the game commission. Wow. Whether that's 100% legit or not. Yeah, who knows. Yeah. But that uncle I was telling you about, he uh, he was at a restaurant over in the Fort Loudon area. And exactly where that is. Yep, Milky Way. Yep, I know where you're at. Yep. And, and he had that lived in Fansburg. Yep. So he lived right up the road from there. He was talking to a guy he knew that lived over there that was a trucker. And... You know, they got to talking, and apparently the guy just came back from, I think he said it was Wyoming, maybe Idaho, out west, with a truckload of coyotes. Here the game commission had him take a truckload of turkeys out there and pick up a truckload of coyotes and bring them back. And this had been about 20 years ago, Hmm. before the coyote population really started exploding around here. Yeah. Now, you know, I don't know how in the conspiracy theories you guys are, but I've heard a lot of speculation that at the time, because Pennsylvania was number one in deer car accidents, that some of these insurance companies made some kind of deal and they started bringing in these higher level predators to cut down on the deer population. And that also coincides as a hunter who's been hunting for... I'm 38. I started hunting when I was 12 years old. Started going out with my dad, following him when I was five. I noticed a significant drop off in the deer population right around that time as well. Hmm. Interesting. So that's something to think about. Well, that's, we we definitely have plenty of coyote around here. That's and, the, a, and that's why the game commission can say there's no mountain lions here that haven't been released. <laughs> so think about that. Yeah. You know, again, prove me wrong, but <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, who knows? There's definitely some, their reaction to the mountain lion thing is just—it's funny. It's yeah. weird. It's just a funny way, and 
It's I mean, dangerous is what it is. It might come down to them simply just not wanting any responsibility when it comes to them at all. Like yeah. They don't want to deal with it at all. Yeah. You know? But who knows? Well, my daughter's going to be four in October. So I have a three-year-old, and my son's going to be seven. Or I'm sorry, my son's going to be eight in two weeks. So I essentially have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old that I like to bring up here hiking and all that. To me, it's it's reckless to not admit that there's something like that roaming these woods. Like, Bigfoot's one thing. And, like, you know, whether or not there's Bigfoot up in these mountains, that's one thing. Right. But you have multiple witnesses seeing mountain lions throughout this mountain range. Mm -hmm. And we know how mountain lions hunt. Mm -hmm. And all it's going to take is for one little kid to get attacked by a mountain lion and them to say, oh, well, yeah, they were here. Yeah. That just happened, actually, in California. It's yeah. in the news today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's an eight-year-old kid who yep. was attacked by one. Yeah. And, I mean, up okay? to this point... It, uh, I think so. Up to this point, it seems like the ones that, you know, have been seen around here are, are elusive. Mm -hmm. They don't like people, and that's probably a good thing. Like out west, you have you know so many. I'm like in Washington. I was reading. You know, there's so many in some areas that you know the mountain lions are essentially starving and trying to attack people. Yeah, you know. So I don't think we're in that situation here yet. But yeah. If they go after anybody, it would be like a mountain biker. Yeah. Or somebody running. Yeah. Because they have a tendency to attack. They're just like any cat. Mm -hmm. Anything that's fast moving, they'll go after. Yeah. I should be safe then. <laughs> <laughs> you want to move on to the next spot? Yeah, sure. Friend? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, all right, so we'll we come back down. Come back out of here. Yes. All right. There was an owl in that clip. We mentioned it. I don't know if you could hear it on the recording, but we definitely heard it a couple of times there. Okay. Um, Owls are, are a recurring theme, it seems, lately. Uh, yeah, and they, they seem to happen or um, herald before things happen. Yes. Someone At pointed that lately. out. Yes, someone pointed that out. And uh, sure enough, it seems to be the case. All right. The next location we went to has been one that has yielded some pretty incredible things, not just this night, but on every follow-up visit we've had, day or night. Yeah, even uh, even when I've gone there by myself, like, not too long ago. Ken introduced us to Harry Springs, although you, you had been there before. You put it together that night. You're like, oh, wait a minute, that's Red's Trail. I've been here before. Yeah, because that was that, as I was driving down to Harry Springs. Yeah, I, I go to the show a lot. I mean, it's, it's the closest large forested area to me. And, you know, and, you know, I camp and hang out there a lot and I'm always looking for new places to camp out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I try and find places that are off the beaten path. And I, as we were driving down, I was like, this road looks familiar. And then when we made that one turn, I saw Red's trail. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I've been here already. And right. yeah. And that was the weekend after I had first met you. Right. At White Rock. That's what I was going to get to. This was poor Chad. This is when I knew, <laughs> this is when I knew I corrupted him. <laughs> the first contact I think I received from you, like after we did that White Rocks episode, so that I forget which episode number that was. Um, right. 
but the, the first episode, something. the first episode you were on with us, and you texted me, and you're like, "I'm hiking in my show, and kind of some weird stuff going on." And that was on this Red's Trail, which basically leads into Harry Springs, right? Yes, Harry Springs is down in a hollow between two mountains, actually three. Red's Trail comes off the road as you go off dirt road or forest road as you go down in and it goes down goes up the hill a little bit then it starts down into into this hollow down into uh harry springs now at that time i didn't know that's what it was called right what happened that day that yeah was, that got your attention and like i said this was just after we were at white rocks i mean it was the weekend after and i went there just to look for a new camping spot. So I had parked at the top of Red's Trail, on Red's Trail, which, like I said, goes down into, goes up the hill, then goes down into Harry Springs. And I was basically going down into the hollow towards the creek. Well, there was a part that breaks off downhill where you could just keep going along to the mountaintop. So I went downhill down into the hollow because I wanted to find the water. I'd also seen on the map that there was a haul road, haul as in H-A-U-L, like to haul things, mm -hmm. that w was coming in to where Red's Trail was. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll head there. When I got down to where the creek was, and I'm there, and there was no wind. You know, it was a, it was a beautiful, quiet day. And I started hearing tapping which now I would know was rock clacking. And the whole time as I'm going down into this trail, I'm just like, man, it just feels weird down in here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and then I was just kept telling myself, no, you're just thinking things because, you know, it was right after we had been at White Rocks again. And, I, you know, us being there brought all that back. You know, what happened to me there? And I was just like, no, Chad, you're just overreacting. You're just hearing things that aren't really there and you're just, you know, it's, it's nothing, you know, and the whole time I'm there and I'm down alone in there, I'm just like, man, this, this place is just a little creepy. And like I said, a, a couple times I heard the, the rock clacking and I was just, I didn't, wasn't that I thought anything of it. I just, I heard it. I was just trying to dismiss it. Yeah. I seem, any sense. I seem to remember when you texted me, you were kind of like, I don't know what that was or if this is a thing, but this is what I heard. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and of course, I'm like, well, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was before I knew what I knew now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And it was before we have had our many adventures right. in the weirdness now. And I, I was just like, man, this place, I don't know. And then, and then I got to the hall, the end of the hall road. And I was just like, man, this place is just strange. And I, and I was at that large clearing that's at the end of the hall road. And I was just like, you know, this looks good. You know, maybe we can camp here. And I was just like, ah. And then I was just like, yeah, I think it's time to get out of here. I just felt like it was time to go, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. So I basically, It makes total sense in that area because we've gotten that feeling quite a few times ourselves. Correct. Correct. Where, but at the we, time. Where we've agreed. But, now it's time yeah, to go. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like. At the time, I didn't know, you know, what I knew now. And sure. I just pushed, pushed down the hall where I'm like, okay, I actually thought about going back 
up the way I came going mm-hmm. back out through Red's trail. But I had such not a good feeling about that area where the rock clacking, all that was, I was like, I'm not going that way. I opened up the map. I'm like, I'm going to go out this hall road. I'm going to go out to the dirt road and go up to, I had to hike all the way back up the mountain. Right. Up to, the, up to where I was parked. Cause I was just like, I'm not going that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. As <laughs> we're talking about sense. this, I'm running through my head of everything that has happened to us there. I can't wait for people to hear all the different things. Uh, yeah. I'm not giving anything away. We'll get, yeah. to them, we'll get to them one at a time as, as we make these different episodes. But what a treat this place has been for, for weird stuff. Um, oh. Important to mention, less than a mile away, there is an old iron furnace. Yep. Big pond furnace. Uh, it's still there. You know, here we have another iron furnace, another area where people were digging into the ground. And Well, uh, well we determined that whole area, like down in through there, has been dug into the ground. Yes. You yes. Know, as, as we are exploring more and more. Right. But we didn't know any of this then. We only knew Ken was taking us to a place called Harry Springs. To note, it's spelled H-A-I-R-Y. We still don't know why it's spelled that way. But uh, let's go ahead and hear Ken's first story from Harry Springs, although we do get interrupted. (laughs) Yes. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a different part of my show. Let me uh, make sure we're in the western end side 
of Michelle. Okay, so I've never been in this part of Michelle. Yeah, I have. This is new to me. Closest town is now uh, Walnut Bottom. Okay. Lee's Crossroads. So, what's this? An old? It's an old logging road. This or something? is an old haul road. Haul road. And um, it serviced the furnace. And I think they would take the charcoal out of here, and they definitely would dump slag. So there's, oh, okay. sla there's uh, slag glass all along this road. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so we, we parked. At the end of the I, road. I went over to uh, relieve myself, and I'm, I'm shining my flashlight in the woods. I don't see anything. And then as I back up, and buckle my belt up again, I look down, and there's this collection of creepy stuffed animals look like they may be partially burned or I don't know if they're dirty or what but uh, a little bit of both yeah just sitting there right right where I was peeing by the trail was very uh, very creepy little little collection there I, I got some photos hopefully they'll turn out and then you guys what did you hear sounded like a drone like almost like a yeah like a droning down the road so it would be downhill from us from down us. by the creek yep down by the creek so there's a creek that runs down below us. Yeah, there's one that runs to our right and one across the road that runs to the left and then they they merge. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep. So th this road follows a creek, and on the way down here, well, on the drive, you saw what a red a red light or something? Yeah, I just heard that. Same area. Mm -hmm. What was it? Same sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the drive down, we were on the forest road, and it's completely black out here. Obviously, well, there's a little bit of moonlight, just a bit, and um. First I saw a flash, which could have been lightning, up high, but then I asked uh, Ken if it was a, uh, if there was a tower here, because it actually looked like a big bright flash, like a tower, like, you know, one of the cell phone towers mm -hmm. to warn planes about, and then we started going, going down the hill a little bit, or we were on level, and I thought I saw 
a red light flash, almost like either um, a tail light for a car, but it was only one light, three times flash. And then I asked Ken if the road went uphill, which I had a feeling it didn't. Right. <laughs> it had to have been 20 feet up off the ground. And then when we got to the area where I thought it was, and it was on the edge, it was not in my headlights. It was beyond my headlights. So, And it wasn't a deer or an animal running across the road because it, the road would have had to have been going uphill for that to be. Right. And when we got to the spot, it was actually a curve. So whatever it was, was in the woods. About high, how high? I'd say about 15, 20 feet up. Wow. Yeah, who knows? So, I, it, like I said, it looked like it was up on a mountain, like uphill, but there was no hill. And you said it kind of looked like a tail light or an LED light? Like an LED, yeah, like a red light. It was definitely red, and it was a quick flash, and it was like one, and that was longer, and then two quick ones. Hmm. And it looked like it was the first one, and then the other two looked like it was a little lower. It looked like it was moving. So, it was strange. All right, well. Yeah, this, this place has a different mood than where we were before. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I'd venture to guess the closest person's probably at least two miles away. I'm gonna hand you the recorder just for a second. I gotta. Yeah. There were some cars further in, but like you, they were at least uh, two hours away, or two two miles away, like you said. Yeah, this road here doesn't get a whole lot of traffic at night. I mean, you'll see cars come through from time to time, but I've driven this road at night so many times and never passed anyone else. Last time I was here, I didn't see a soul until two, till I, because I, I did the hike. I went down Red's Trail, went down along the ridge, came out at the end of this road, and then walked out the end of this road to the road, walked up the hill, and then. Did I, you did you put those batteries in my pack then? I, I am in my pocket. Oh, okay. You're good. <coughs> so he had his when he was cutting wood was across the road from here do you oh. want to go over there first yeah sure and then we'll work I'm thinking if you want we'll walk up this road alright I'm whatever you guys want to do I'm, I'm along for the trip once you get out here I'll let Ken take the lead because obviously he knows the area a little better than I do I thought that was a mylar balloon over there Tim Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Back there? Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Alright, so this is where it happened, right here. It wasn't too far off the road. <coughs> so, you know, you take a look up through there, you can see, you know, pretty thick stuff. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't need to burn on this side of the road. There's, there's nothing here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been here. There's nothing here. Yeah. And it looked pretty much the same as what it does now. Um, and I'll go ahead and turn my light off now that we are where we are. I always stomp and check for snakes. Yeah, I know. I do the same. <laughs> All right. So, this is a reference. You guys just saw what everything around here looks like. So, it's kind of thick. Um... It was October of 2017. I don't remember the exact date, but it was in the middle of the month. Uh, archery season was in because it was one of those days where you know, I was debating whether or not I wanted to go hunting that day or cut wood. And wood supply was starting to get a little bit low for the winter coming up. And I was like, oh, no, you, you 
gotta cut wood today. So I'm up in here, running my chainsaw, cutting stuff up, and you know, I start seeing movement out of the corner of my eyes. And I'd look over, wouldn't see anything, get back to cutting. And after a little while, as I'm cutting wood, I started noticing, because like I'd put it down, load up a little bit of wood, pick it back up, cut some more. As I was going about all this, I started noticing acorns were bouncing across the ground in front of me. So they weren't falling out of the trees and, you know, bouncing once. They were coming from inside the wood line there and coming across. And right, they kind of had like a sideways motion to exactly. them instead of dropping. Yeah. yeah, like exactly like if you were to start throwing acorns at Chad over there, they'd bounce past him. Right. So now, Actually, if I threw them at Chad, every single one would hit exactly where I threw it. <laughs> So, just not to interrupt you, just heard a huff over that direction. Alright. I was not trying to interrupt you, no, I apologize no for that. No worries, if something's happening, definitely let us know. It's like a huff. Notice that they tend to make, whatever, tends to make noises whenever we're talking. Mm -hmm. Am I correct, Tim? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, I'll just keep... That's okay. Yeah, if it happens again, just let me know. Oh, well. So, this, uh, the acorn throwing kept happening on and off. And, you know, every time it would happen, I'd set the chainsaw down, look around me, trying to figure out where it was coming from. It would stop. I wouldn't hear anything moving around. I'd pick the chainsaw back up, crank it back up, get going again. About five minutes later... You know, a couple minutes after I'd start back up, the acorns would start coming again. And, I mean, it must have happened four or five times in the span of about a half an hour, 40 minutes, I'd guess. And it was kind of starting to make me a little uncomfortable. And it was daylight, so that was what was really weirding me out. And... Uh, so I finally got to a point where I had all the wood cut that I could load in my truck for that trip. And, you know, I set the chainsaw down, started grabbing the rest of the wood, taking it over to the truck over there, on the uh, alongside the road there. And that's, now that I wasn't running the chainsaw anymore, that's when I started hearing the scuttling in the brush. And given the fact that I had just been running my chainsaw for about an hour, I couldn't believe that any animal would be around me. Right, yeah. Whatever would be around me would have taken off and stayed as far away as possible. So every time that I'd hear the scuttling through the brush, I'd look over and it would stop. Well, the one time that I heard the scuttling, I turned around real quick and looked, and what I saw was a light brown figure crouched down running like a chimpanzee would and all I saw was part of the back the butt and part of the legs as it scuttled behind a, uh, a bush and to be honest with you that's when I started freaking out a little bit because it was 20 yards away from me at the most Man. like it was close now this was a smaller one yeah instantly as soon as I saw what I saw first thought in my head was it's a juvenile but there were multiple 
locations that this was happening. So it wasn't just one running around me. It was multiple, mm-hmm. you know, scuttles on both sides of me. And sometimes I'd hear one on my right, one on my left, and one ahead of me. So I'm assuming it was three of them that were running around me. But as soon as I thought, it's a juvenile, the next thought that popped into my head was, the adults are somewhere close by watching. Right. That's what freaked me out. And I probably had about 15 minutes worth of loading yet at that point when I saw it. And I was moving as fast as I could, grabbing the stuff, because it seemed like they just kept getting closer and closer and closer. I kept hearing the movement closer and closer to me. Well, when I was about five minutes away from being done, where we parked across the road, a car came in, pulled up over there. And what's kind of funny is the thought that I had was, well, buddy, this is your problem now, not mine. (laughs) Uh, He got out. He saw me over here loading the wood, and he comes walking across the road. And I was like, should I tell him? No, I'm not going to tell him. I don't want this guy to think I'm crazy. And he goes, oh, you're cutting some wood. I said, yeah, just about done. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting out of here. And he started telling me, you know, he was going to just take a hike up in. He didn't have his bow or anything with him that day. He just wanted to do a little bit of scouting. He said, you know, I just really like watching the deer at this point in my life. I don't always want to go out hunting them. About the time that we started talking about hunting and the deer and all that was when the scuttling started up again. And, I mean, you should have seen the look on this guy's face. Because he heard something over by his car around the same time that we heard something off to my right. Like, as I'm looking at his car. This guy stops dead in the middle of a sentence. He goes, did you hear that? And I said, buddy, I've been hearing that for about the last 45 minutes or so. So that's why I'm anxious to get out of here. So he looked at me for a couple seconds, you know, when you look at someone to gauge him. He looks at me and goes, do you believe in Bigfoot? And I said, yes, I do. And I told him the story that I told you guys up at the springs, you know, by the reservoir, hearing the, uh, you know, the vocalizations and all that, mm-hmm. and told him a couple other stories. I told him um, up off of Hogshead Road one morning I was going down to my hunting spot, and uh, it wasn't quite light enough to really see much of anything. But something on the other side of one of the rhododendron bushes stood up and started walking away from me. And it was so heavy, you could feel the ground reverberating as it walked away. Wow. And Didn't see that one? No. Yeah, you can't... I almost ran around the bush, because, like, the first thought I had, I was in hunting mode. I was like, I just jumped a buck. It's a big buck. right. But I heard the bipedal footsteps, mm-hmm. and I felt the ground reverberating, and thought I had after that at that time was, that's definitely not a bear. Right. And then that, that survival instinct kicked in. It's like, don't go any closer. Just let it go about its way. It doesn't want to mess with you. Don't mess with it. So I heard it walk off into the woods, and then I went. So if it went one direction, I basically went at a 90-degree angle. I kept going down to my spot, and I was like, well, if it's not bothering me, it's not going to bother me for the rest of the day. The sun's about to come up. I'll be okay. So I told him about that stuff. Um, you know, I just shared my experiences that I had had up to that point with him. 
he goes, well, let me tell you what happened to me. So apparently he also had a hunting spot up off of Hogshead Road. Was that you? No. You heard it? Yeah. I heard it. I saw the red flash again. Before that happened. Where'd you hear that come from? Down by the creek. I heard it up on the ridge up on the other side of Get the Back car. up. Back up. It's closer. Any light? In a minute. Could be a deer. Something's coming up through the ground here. Sorry guys, I didn't mean to spook you. It's okay. No. So there's a clearing back in here. The creek. Alright. The creek down there. Yep, down okay, there about so I saw, feet. before the hollering was starting, there was a red light up in one of the trees. And then I saw movement down in here, and that's what I was trying to get a good look at, because my night vision was just starting to pick it out. Getting uh, adjusted. Yeah. Now, the scream that we heard was coming from the ridge up on the other side of where we parked. Behind so, us. Up that way. So there's one down here and one up there. Yeah. Because I saw what looked like movement or something, and then I saw the red light up in one of the trees. Yeah. Like up in there on the other side of that pond. Yeah. I was looking back in here because I felt out that I, I saw this disc at law here, and I didn't want to trip over it, and it was up in here. It's funny you mention that because a lot of the times that I come up in here, I always feel like there's something up in the trees watching me. That was some weird, Tim. Sorry, I didn't mean to freak you out, but that's... No, yeah. Did you hear that? That was like right on top of us. Yeah, I heard it moving over on this side right after I heard right the scream up the other direction. See, now I did not hear that. I heard the screams. Yeah, but you well, didn't hear the movement. Yeah, no, I did yeah. not hear the movement. I heard the movement. Let's move out into the road. Okay. All right, because we're at a disadvantage here. Yeah. We'll trip and tangle over I all agree. this stuff. We'll continue your story out there. Okay. Just for safety's aspect. Yeah, no. I don't disagree with you at all there. I got the tingles. Right, as soon as we pulled in got out of the car, I knew something was watching us. Well, we kept hearing that down by the creek. Yep. Whatever it was moved up closer. Well, whatever it was was right on... Was that blue? Was that there before we left when we came in? What's that? Yeah, that's been here. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, someone put that up to mark their hunting, uh, no, their hunting spot sure. trail. Weird stuff like that happens. Yeah, we'll go out to the road. Okay. It's good right here. Okay. Definitely <laughs> wanted to let us know they're here. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so back behind you, up on that ridge, that's where I heard the scream coming from just a few just moments now. ago. You know, I heard one, it sounded like it was down by the creek. I thought so too. I thought we were getting them both directions. Yeah. And then I heard that crunch right in front of me. Yeah. Is there a car coming? We'll find out when the headlights come. So I'm interviewing Ken. You're walking around, looking around. Out of nowhere, 
you kind of come up at speed and sort of grab me and say, go, 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 go. Like, turn yeah. around. Yeah. I had no clue what was going on. You later told me, of course. Right. So right. what did you hear or see? Like, like what went on there? Because like so, I said, I'm interviewing Ken. I'm not, I didn't know any of this was going on. You're, I, I want to say probably, what, 20 yards away from us, like deeper into the woods. Yeah, I was, I was probably about 15 to 20 yards down, down into the woods. Because what it basically was, was like a clearing off the road. We weren't that far from the road, really. And he had gone there to uh, cut firewood. And uh, you guys were talking. You were interviewing him. You were recording his story. And you were. In, and I know when you get a story, you get very engrossed in to what the witness is telling you. Right. So usually in that situation, especially if we're at one site and it's dark, I just kind of like keep an eye out, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And I we had seen some lights too. We were seeing some weird kind of like reddish lights. We mentioned a little bit on the recording. You saw a light as we were coming down into it. Right. Then throughout this whole time, we kept seeing lights and we do mention that on the recording. So there were lights as well, but what happened when that made you like, you came back at speed, like I said. Yeah. Cause I was trying to see this one light and I was, tr- you know, cause it was, it was pretty dark there. Yeah. But we didn't have any lights on ourselves. You know, we didn't have any. I had a headlamp on or whatever, but I didn't have the light on. And I was trying to look at this light and I was looking out and I heard something moving up ahead. And then I was hearing some weird noises. And I was just like, what is that? What is that? And then the next thing you know, it sounded, I heard what sounded like a, almost like a gorilla. And like, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it just came, char- something was charging through the woods at me. I mean, I could hear it. I mean, it was snapping stuff coming at me. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, you know, automatically, you know, I, I grabbed my uh, walking stick, backed up, grabbed you, and took you guys to the road. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you need to back up now. Because I thought something was coming. Right. I mean, I mean, it, something was coming, but nothing came. I mean, it was like it came, I backed up, uh, moved back, and it was, and then it was gone. Yeah. Which was crazy. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and it wasn't like a deer running. No, you know, no, a deer no. wouldn't charge you. Those low, what we were calling gorilla sounds, uh, we kept hearing them all night down by the creek. Yeah. None of of them, to my knowledge, came up on the recording. So, you know, I don't know whether they were too far away to pick it up or the sound of the creek drowned them out or something, but we were hearing those all night. They were pretty, they were shockingly gorilla like. I'll say that. Like, yes. Yes. When I say gorilla, I'm not saying it was a gorilla noise. I'm just saying that's what it sounded like. Right. Right. I heard, heard, you know, because I'm looking at the light. And the lights were up a little higher. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, it was like, slam. I mean, it just it sounded like like something just like pulled down a huge like wall. Because it was, it was really brushy there in front mm-hmm. of me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like somebody was 
pulled down like a a big big uh, wall of brush and then was coming at me and then I just backed up automatically you know I didn't turn I kept facing towards it so if it if it was coming I would have seen it right I backed up grabbed you and I said let's go back up now to the road then it stopped it so yeah. And you were very interested, like, as soon as I started editing, you, you said, like, is that crash on there? Is that crash on there? I couldn't find it. I don't know whether we were talking over it, and we just can't yeah. pull it out or what. Yeah. But a, a lot of things we heard, you know, for whatever reason, just don't come up on the recording. Um, right. It happens. Yeah, yeah. So also in that clip, one of us says, did you hear that? And what I caught on the tape... I caught something two times and I'll just play it here. I'll play each one in succession three times. Now, I don't know if that's what I heard when we were out there. Uh, what I heard when we were out there didn't, I don't know. This is very funny to talk about to, to the idea that I heard something else. And then when we get back, the only thing on the tape is an owl. Right. Um, but, you know, as I'm listening back, it's like, okay, that sounds like it could be an owl to me. I sent the clip to you and I sent it to Mike Cleland, who... I don't, th- I don't know if he would consider himself an owl expert, but he's the closest thing to an owl expert I know. He wrote the book, The Messenger is all about owls. And, and uh, he's usually the guy, if I have an owl question, I go to Mike. So I sent him that clip. And I thought maybe Screech Owl at first, but it doesn't have, there's almost a kind of a gurgle to a Screech Owl sometimes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've... I sent you a clip where they, there's multiple different noises on yeah. the screech owl. Yeah, I've, I've, I heard that. That's how I identify. That's it's that clip is how I identified the screech owls at Site Seven from our first visit. Right, right, and they have that almost whinny sound, like a horse. You know, when you think of a horse name, mm-hmm. that, and that's what this kind of sounded to me. But it wasn't quite the same. Is what you're trying to say? Right. And right. Yeah. Mike said. At first, he said, "I don't know." And then he said, well, it's either a screech owl or a barn owl. I can't tell. To me, that's interesting. Yeah. That it's either one, but he can't exactly determine which. But, okay, so let's say it's an owl. Let's say I heard an owl there and, you know, in the excitement of the moment and in the darkness, you know, I mistook it for something else. Okay. Right. If it's an owl, once again, we have an owl sounding off right before some crazy stuff happens. Yes. And I'll say when we were at Site 7 and we had the screech owls there, they didn't just sound off once or twice. You could hear them going the whole time, the whole time, constantly almost. You know, it's a different situation. Maybe maybe this is a different right. So, you know, good timing if it's an owl because strange stuff going forward here. And it doesn't seem to stop. Like I said, it just seems like the owls always herald something. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
All right, so then uh, Ken continued his stories across the road. We went across from the area where he told his first story and onto that hall road, and he continued with his second story. Continue your story, Ken. That's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, so we, okay. the, the, uh, the old fellow was telling you. Yeah, so anyway, so he parked over where we're parked right now. So he comes walking down across. And as we're standing there, he asks, you know, do you believe in Bigfoot? And I said, yes, I do. Told him the stories. And he said, well, last season, so this would have been hunting season, uh, archery season of 2016, said he was up off a of Hogshead Road. Uh, where the ridge goes back up on, I guess it'd be the east side of Hogshead Road. Said he was sitting in a stand, uh, sitting in his blind, rather. I don't think he was up off the ground. He was in a blind. And said he saw what he thought was a bear digging through the leaves until it stood up on its hind legs and started walking up through the woods. Wow. And he said it was very muscular and it had, you know, shaggy long hair. And it was kind of like a golden color, almost. Golden huh. color? Yeah, like a golden color. Was one. it Was it moving on two legs? Yep, walking on its hind legs. Okay. He Did said, it have a neck or no neck? He didn't mention whether it had a neck or not. All okay. he told me was it was very muscular and about seven and a half feet tall. Wow. And there, there's a reason why I'm asking if it's a golden that? color, yeah, believe it or not. Where was this at? Um, so if you follow this road down that way, the next state road that goes back up into the mountains, Hogshead Road, right North. up there. That's okay. my that's my primary hunting area, up off of that road. Okay, continue. Go, I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries. There was a reason why I asked you that. <laughs> okay, you have to tell me then, though. I will, I will tell okay. you. Okay. Go ahead. So he said he's watching this thing, and it's just kind of, I mean, it's not running up through the woods. It's just like it's taking a stroll up through the woods, just walking. And he said as soon as he realized what it was in his head, he thought, that's Bigfoot. It turned all the way around, like it turned its whole body. So yeah, I guess it didn't have a neck. Said it turned its whole body around, looked right at him, and then turned back where it was headed and bolted up the ridge full speed. So he didn't exclaim that out loud. He thought no, he that in thought his head. It. He thought it. And the thing turned around and looked and at it him. Turned and looked right at him the second he thought. Oh, it. that's weird, yeah. weird, weird. So it ran up the ridge. The thing is the top of that ridge it's private land there's a small parcel of land up in there that's privately owned mm-hmm. the state forest surrounds it essentially except for an access road getting into it. it's a pri- um, if it's the one I'm thinking of it's a private hunting reserve well they ran up into there and he's like well I'm not going to go up there today so the following weekend he decided to go up onto that land hoping he would see it again man I'm getting the chills yeah. You getting them? I'm okay so far. Yeah, I mean, I'll be fine, but no, definitely something watching. The mo- like I said, the mood here is way different than where we were. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the following weekend, so he got all dressed up in his ghillie suit, and he went up onto that land and found, you know, a big stand of rhododendron. You know, mountain lore, all that, got in down in it, sitting in his ghillie suit, just waiting. So about a half an hour after he got into that spot, this guy, the human being, this guy, comes walking down through the woods, walks right up to the bush. He goes, you're trespassing. You need to get out of here. 
he stood up, he said, yeah, no, I'll leave. But I got to ask you a question. How'd you know where I was? The guy goes, we got cameras all over this property. We watched you walk in here. He said, were they running last week? He said, they're always on. He said, so you got what came up through here last week. The guy goes, I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> he goes, no, I'm not leaving here. He's like, you can call the cops. You can do whatever you want to do. I'm not leaving here until you answer my question. What was it? Did you get it on camera? He told me the guy said, we've gotten it a couple times. You need to leave now. Wow. Get out of here. So. Wow. Yeah. So, like, we were talking a little bit about this in the car with the with recorder off. Mm-hmm. What is it about Michelle? Like, what do you think it is? Because there's something special about it as far as this stuff goes. Like, I just started calling it the haunted forest, you know, because it's... I think part of it's just the history here. Um, we were, you know, talking earlier about just the geology of this area. I mean, you could, you could talk about Gettysburg the same way. A lot of, you know, a lot of us believe that the reason Gettysburg is as haunted as it was is because of what's in the ground. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like an energy field. Mm-hmm. Almost. I mean, that tons of quartz. Yep. And, I mean, you could walk through any of these mountains up on the trail and just find chunks of quartz. Iron ore. Right. Yep. Quartz, you know, iron 20 ore. 20-pound chunks of quartz just sticking out of the ground all and, through And here. running water. Yep. Man, That's the lots thing. Lots of water. Heavy cover, running water. It's, you know, especially once you head over towards, you know, uh civilization mm-hmm. i'll say because you know like i said before i live a 10 minute drive from this very spot it's nothing but farms right it's just farms so you know year round there's endless food supply and i've heard so many people say oh there's no deer up in there how many deer did we see driving to this spot oh yeah yeah and that's not including the deer that we didn't even see so i mean there's no end of food for them I mean it's good eating fresh water all through here I mean the area that we're in it's called Harry Springs there are springs all through here I've often wondered why they called it Harry Springs I was, was going to say how they, how's, is it H-A-R-R or H-A it's H-A-I-R-Y yeah, really yep. it's not spelled H-A-R-R-Y oh that's interesting yeah. the only thing I could think like normally like normal sense uh, as to why they would call that. If you get in, you know, to the valley down, or you get up in towards, you know, where all the springs are, a lot of moss grows in there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they call it that. But, I, you know, that's something that I've kind of thrown around in my head for the past couple of years since I've really started having the experiences up in here. Like, what, how old is that name? Was it something that was named because of the things that they were seeing up in here when they first started settling this area a couple hundred years ago? Or... I don't know. What always shows me about this area, and we've you know talking about the history, you always have all these names in this in this forest that have dark connotations. Mm-hmm. Dead Woman's Hollow, mm-hmm. Dark Hollow. Um, that's just two. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that oh, was the train. Okay. Yeah, that's the yeah, train. That's but when the train was harmonics was, coming off the train. When the train was first getting loud, something moved across the road. You saw it? Yeah, it was just a quick movement. It could have been a deer now. And it went up this way. Down, just out of, you know, 
where you can, you can just barely see it with your eyesight. Yeah. But it could have been a deer. I'm just stating that fact. You get that high harmonic off a train sometimes that can be very like, oh, what is that? And then it's just this, this kind of high harmonic drone almost. That, that's like. Yeah. yeah, but that wasn't what I heard. No, I no, but that's that's what I'm picking up right now. I'm picking that. Yeah. You hear it like. Yeah. It's like a real high harmonic. Yeah. And. I mean, living where I do, I hear the train on a nightly basis. What we heard screaming up in the oh yeah, no, there, that was a scream. That wasn't that a train. Was a, that was a scream. I, that, I agreed. That was not a train. <laughs> yeah. And then the drone and I, we heard earlier was not a train. And I did yeah. not think that was a, a coyote either. It did not no. sound coyote esque. I know there are coyotes up in here, but that wasn't a coyote. And and it, didn't I don't, sound too, it was close to a fox, but it wasn't a fox. Yeah. Too coyote. Too coyote ish. Coyote. Wally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so well, um, you want to go up to the up the road a little ways, and yeah, you can tell sure. about the other story you yeah, were telling sure. me before Tim had his recorder on. Yeah, no so, problem. We're gonna go across the road here now, um, and we're gonna go up. What was the name of this road again? Um, Pole Steeple Trail, I believe it was. No, that. Oh, this one here. Yeah, it's the road. Uh, Big Pond Road. Okay, this big pond road, and then this hall road actually has them. This is Pole Bridge Trail, okay. which this is actually used to be an old hall road. Yeah. So this road was, I think, based on what I saw at the end of it, where they would bring trees down through the... You said there's an iron furnace up the road, correct? Yeah, about a mile up the road. About the mile. The so they would use this to draw the trees out for the... Hold uh, on. Hear something? Yeah. Another one of those cries. Anyway, go ahead. They, they use this to. Of course, when I was talking. Yeah. But <laughs> they would use this to haul the charcoal out, and they definitely dump slag along here because there's slag glass all through here in this area. So. You said the one call we heard earlier was up. On the ridge above us, correct? Yeah, right yeah. up on top of that ridge. That area yeah, there. that's where it sounded like to me too. Yep. And uh, once we get up here and I tell you the story, that's going to correlate because my son and I actually uh, were together when we. You go ahead and read. All right, so. Uh, so the creek, not not to interrupt you, Ken. No, you're okay. So the creek is right down below us. You yeah. Can hear it? Yeah. And the road basically follows the creek. All right, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right. So earlier this year, it was end of April. My son's really into all kinds of animals, but he loves amphibians, reptiles, that sort of stuff. Uh, Kings Gap environmental. Uh, a state park essentially it's King's Gap we call it they do um, a presentation where you know they'll show you you know different salamanders frogs stuff like that uh, for the presentation part like they'll bring them out in you know little little cages little tanks all that sort of stuff for the kids to check out they do you know their whole presentation and then normally what they would do is take you for a walk back to the vernal ponds well 
this year in April, we got a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. And we got a really heavy rain the night before this presentation you know, was supposed to happen. So when we got there, they let us know, hey, we can do this part of the presentation, but we're not going to do the hike to the Vernal Ponds. If you don't want to stay, we're going to do another one in May. If you want to stay, feel free. And, you know, my son was kind of bummed out, but we stayed for the presentation part. And, you know, while we were there, it was like, well, I got to take him somewhere else. <laughs> and I, re- I remembered because, you know, it was towards the end of April. I was, you know, going out and starting to scout for morel mushrooms. Uh, I had come up in here, up on this trail here, and I remembered that there were, you know, pond, uh, like little, you know, little tiny ponds all through here that had, you know, the potential to have salamander eggs, frog eggs, that sort of stuff. So once it was all said and done, and we got in the truck and we started to leave, he was like, he was bummed out. And I said, don't worry, buddy, I know another spot, we're going to go to it. He was like, tonight? I said, yeah, tonight. Okay, awesome, awesome. So when we got up in here, it was already dark. And, you know, we had our headlamps on and we were walking through here, checking it. And, you know, sure enough, we found salamander eggs and whatnot. We found, you know, a few little salamanders, little peepers were starting to come out. So we were here for probably about 10 minutes or so, checking it all out, catching peepers and whatnot. And up on the ridge where we just heard that scream come from, started hearing, you know, guttural noises. Like those kind of noises, like what we've been hearing Mm -hmm. tonight. And I could hear the movement up on the ridge. And then I started hearing them coming down off the ridge, getting closer and closer to us. And considering the experience that I had had with him the previous April on the Appalachian Trail... You know, where he just stopped dead on the trail and said, there's something living, you know, there's something right. living in the woods and, you know, started to walk off the trail and didn't even remember it after the fact. I instantly went into like, you know, protective father mode, right? Like, you know, Papa Bear mode. And I looked at him and I said, Waylon, we got to get moving. It's time to get out of here. And he looks at me, he goes, I know, daddy, I can hear him. Hmm. And, you know, he was really calm about it. Bless his heart. He was really calm about it. So, you know, we put the salamander eggs back into the water here, and we started walking out. And as we were walking out to the truck, which was parked where we are now, you could almost hear them coming down in and just kind of, like, following us out towards the truck. Like, just making sure that we were actually going to be leaving. And as calm as he was at that time, when we got into the truck and we got moving and started driving down the road here, he goes, you know, Daddy, I'm going to be honest with you. I was scared, Mm. he said. But, you know, I tried to remain calm. He said, I know you were scared, too. He was like, but I'm okay. We're okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's the... So, you know, it's weird. It's weird to have to have a kid... Who knows about it? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's also good he knows about it. You know what I mean? In a way, if you're going to be hiking here and stuff. He knows how to handle himself out here. Yeah. Especially when that sort of stuff happens. Um, I don't know if you were recording what I mentioned about what happened to us a few weeks ago up at uh, Dead Woman's Hollow. With the thing that came out of the tree? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was. Okay. But, like, even with that, 
when he was telling me about what he saw last, you know, last night when he was telling me about what he saw. Mm-hmm. Perfectly calm. And uh, he, he started school on Wednesday. It was his first day back to school. Wednesday afternoon, he comes home. He goes, Daddy, I got a book that I think you'll like. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? And he pulls it out. It was Mysterious Creatures. <laughs> and he flips it open. He's like, guess which one's my favorite? I said, which one? He flips it open to Bigfoot, and he goes, this one. <laughs> I think I'm ruining all my friend's kids. Chad's son was just the only drawings of Dogman and Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy, because I never mentioned Dogman to him. Yeah. I, I've not been witness to a Dogman. I don't know if I want to be. Yeah, me either. I, right. I've got a story from here, though. From Misho. Oh, yeah. There's been supposed sightings in this area. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Not when I say this area, I don't mean here. Not this specific, but no. it, within Misho. Where, yeah. Hear that? Over there across from the road, I saw the red light again earlier. It seems to be happening. It's up. It's high, and it's, and it's not the fireflies because it's red. Yeah. And it seems to be happening before we have the noises. Whatever, when we were over there, did not want us over there. That's the feeling I got. In that clip, you can hear me say, did you hear that? And the only thing I can pull out of that is this kind of chattering sound that I'll play. And you have to kind of listen through the insects. Like the dominant sound is the insects for sure. Right. In this clip. And you can hear this kind of chattering sound. And with all of these clips we're playing, we're not saying it's anything weird. These might be natural animals. You know, chances are they are. But, uh, you know, this is what I call it. Like I said, it's, to me, it sounds like kind of a chattering sound. Uh, once again, you kind of have to listen through the insects and you can pick it up. I'll go ahead and play that three times. Also in that clip, Chad, you talk about your red light again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they just were, a lot of them were down near the, uh, the creek. You know what I mean? It was down, mm-hmm. and the noises seem to come from there too. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes on down in that creek. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on all around that area. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. I might argue in the way that some people say. There's no such thing as a bad baby. Oh, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) I believe there's no such thing as an imperfect puppy. I think all puppies are perfect. I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That said, I'm sure everybody can use some help. Yeah, every every baby and every puppy can use a little help. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a puppy and you're looking to develop a great relationship with your puppy, you want to go to 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. You can find it at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days of the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 
They can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy is a relationship-based approach to helping you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have tons of online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group where you can connect with the 90 Days staff and other puppy owners who (laughs) may have the same problems that you do. Maybe their puppies are halfway to being perfect and you could learn something from them. Maybe they're halfway learning how to be perfect with their puppy. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's probably more about the owner than the puppy, isn't it? There are one-on-one options available as well. 90 Days of the Perfect Puppy. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. 90 Days of the Perfect Puppy. So in the next episode of Strange Familiars, we will continue our walk and talk with Ken in Harry Springs. Tune into Through the Haunted Forest Part 2 and hear about one of the most shocking things that's ever happened to me on any paranormal investigation. All right, Allison, what's the photo of the week? Uh, the photo of the week is a graveyard. If I had a loop and about four extra hours of time, <laughs> I actually haven't gone over this with a loop, but it's possible that if we get at least the last name, we might be able to figure out what cemetery this is. Mm. Let me work on that in the interim. Maybe I'll be able to figure out where it is. But right now it's an anonymous turn of the century cemetery. It's a little bit faded, but cemetery photos are not that common. Yeah, it has a kind of a dreamy quality to it, I think. it's, And it's because it's, it still has that sort of sepia tone. It has a, a real warmth to it. So when do you think that photo's from, roughly? Hard uh, to tell from the mountain. Early 1900s. So what are we asking for the cemetery photo? Uh, lucky 13 $13. You can see it in the show notes under this episode. We'll put a picture up. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop. Or you can also buy Where the Footprints End. Nice segue there. <laughs> and now I want to spend the rest of the evening trying to figure out what cemetery this is. There are a few other photos of the week left. You can check out the photo of the week section there. As always, buying photos helps you start a really cool new collection, new hobby, and helps us continue making the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, and we are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars.
to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.